welcome to the Redeemer 20 Sermon Podcast, where our goal is to glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission. My name is Luke Dirks, and I'm your host, and I'm also privileged to lead the 20s ministry at Redeemer Church in beautiful Rockford, Illinois. The sermon you are about to hear was preached at our Thursday night gathering at 7 p.m. We hope you enjoy this, and we hope you also join us at a future Thursday. So, Good evening. My name is Chad Wetzine. I am one of the elders here. <clears throat> Glad to see I have a couple of fans anyway. <laughs> Not that I want it, but because that's what my message is about tonight, so we don't want that. No. Um, so my wife, Jan, and I, we've been coming to Redeemer, I keep saying 13 years, but it was since 2012, so just almost 11 years. And uh, I still, sometimes I just, I just am shocked just to think that we're here. And this is where God has us, and it's just amazing. We celebrated a little bit more than Doug and Amy. We celebrated 30 years of marriage this year, and so I'm very thankful that she stuck with me. <clears throat> so we have three wonderful boys. Derek is our oldest, married to Joy. They have uh, my cutest grandson. Wait, he's my only grandson, but he is a cute one. And, and then Logan is married to Amanda, and they have a cute little red-headed girl, a beautiful little girl. So much fun being a grandpa. I didn't think I would be old enough. I feel old enough to be a grandpa. I said, no, nah, not, not yet. But <clears throat> I think now that I'm in my 50s, I'm okay to be a grandpa, and I love it. So, Oh, and then Corey, the little guy over here. Yeah, he's our youngest. He's the one that's probably got the most energy out of us all, but that's because he's not married either, no. <laughs> so <clears throat> anyway, so... If most of you or some of you, if you know me, you know that I love the outdoors. Anything that is outdoors, I love doing. Um, maybe I'm not good at fishing or hunting, but I love being out there. And I've always obsessed with, I thought it would be cool to have a kayak. And I thought, man, just to be out on the open waters, just, just cruise, just in nature where it's quiet. And I've always I'd look in Facebook and say, oh, oh there's a kayak. Uh, I don't want to pay that much. So one time there was a, an ad, and it said, and it was a pelican. It looked like a legitimate pelican ad. Fourth of July sale, 100 bucks, you know, on this huge sale. And it's like, whoa, that's pretty cool. So I thought, well, maybe, maybe. And I'm like, nah. And then Jan decided that she was going to surprise me. And so she found that website, and she ordered two kayaks. And uh, just surprised me. And so I'm like, oh, that is awesome. I can't believe you did this. This is, this is exciting. <clears throat> so I asked her, I said, okay, when are they coming? How long is it going to take for shipping? And she goes, I don't know. So we pulled up what, I mean, she paid for them online, ordered them online. And she pulled up the receipt that she got. And it looked like, well, this is kind of cheap for an official Pelican kayak. You know, they're pretty well known. But there was no delivery date. And it's like, wait a minute, did we just get scammed? We did. It was legit. It looked legit. Pelican.com, and there may have been a dash in there, which I didn't pay attention, but, um, but yet it was a scam. It was fake. <clears throat> and so I was pretty disappointed. Fortunately, the credit card company said, we'll give you your money back. We won't charge it. And uh, we never got my kayaks. And so, but it looked legit, but it was fake. I do have kayaks now, by the way, but 
So, but tonight we're going to dive into Matthew chapter 6, and it's, an ex- it's another chapter extension on the Sermon on the Mount. I always thought growing up, the Beatitudes was the Sermon on the Mount. That was it. Okay, what is it, Matthew 5, 1 to 10 or 13. But in reality, it's 5, 6, and 7 are all part of the Sermon on the Mount. Some people think or believe that that was what Matthew recorded here was just a summary of what the Sermon on the Mount is. And there was a summary of a larger sermon in itself. I'll try not to make my sermon that long tonight. Otherwise, maybe some of you guys might fall asleep. Sun might be coming up in the morning. Satisfy us. Okay, great. <laughs> you know? <laughs> no, I'll keep it short. So, but in the Sermon on the Mount, if you remember, that Jesus is teaching his disciples. But he's teaching, he's talking about the true standard of righteousness. The Pharisees had their own set of, their standard of righteousness, and it was based upon all the, the law, but then they took extra laws. They made man-made laws to tell you, okay, so like the Sabbath, it says, you know, rest on the Sabbath. And so they had, okay, well, we're going to make a bunch of more laws that says how you rest on the Sabbath. And it was crazy the laws. Even to this day, some of their laws about the Sabbath are you can't push a button on an elevator. It has to be an elevator that automatically does. It stops at every floor and you just get off where you get off. Or you can't, you can't push a door open. It has to be a revolving door that all you do is walk through it. Um, you know, back then they had laws that, oh, you could only walk a certain amount of distance, 0.1 miles. Otherwise, it was considered work on the Sabbath. And so they had their own set of standards of righteousness, and people feared that. And so it was like, it was almost they were fearing more the man-made rules than they were God's actual rules. And when, we, when they, we do that, that's called legalism, where we are following a set of man's rules, and we hold that in higher regard than we do God's law itself. And because the Holy Spirit is our guide. He is our, we have God's rule right here, right? And the Holy Spirit teaches us and reminds us of what God's word is. And so... <clears throat> we want to make sure that we don't in doing that. So, but even in the world that we live today, truth is relevant, right? I do what I feel is right. You do what you feel is right. Your truth and my truth are not the same. And, well, I don't want to do God's truth either because that isn't what I feel like I want to do. That's not for me. But why do God, why do people, why is it so hard for them to accept God's truth? What is God's truth? And because it cuts to their heart, it exposes our sin, which we know as Christians, that's a good thing because that's what we want to live as a holy, righteous life. But for the unbelieving people, they don't want that. They don't want to be reminded of their sin. So, so let's open. So we're going to talk tonight about kind of the core of our heart. So let's turn to Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to read verses 1 through 4. So verse 1 says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who's in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret 
will reward you. So we talk about, in the first part, is the heart. You know, why do we do what we do? What is our motive on doing, for doing what, we're do, what we do? Um, I think sometimes it, we can say it's a natural tendency that we want to be noticed by others. I mean, we don't want to be the guy that stands in the corner nobody knows about. We want to be noticed. We want to be seen, heard. We want people, especially when we're trying to fit into a group. We want to be people to know who we are. <clears throat> so Jesus understands this human weakness. So that's why he's addressing this topic. And this verse 1 is probably the standard of addressing the heart. And it's not just for the needy, which he talks about in these four verses, but it's for the rest of that chapter. And it's basically for all of everything that we do is addressing our heart. So, so Jesus starts out, beware. And we think of beware, okay, okay, we're going to be attentive, alert. What are we being aware of? You know, you see a sign that says, beware of the dog. You're going to be looking for the big Doberman or German Shepherd, that, not this Chihuahua, but you're going to be looking for a fierce dog. So you're going to be on your guard if you're walking through somebody's yard. Or if you see, um, beware of falling rocks. You're by the mountains. There's rocks already on the ground. You're going to be making sure there's nothing. You're going to be cautious. You're going to make sure there's nothing that's going to fall, crush your car, you, whatever. You're going to be on your guard. <clears throat> or if there's a low, like you go to these drive throughs and it says, the height of, of the, uh, the overhang there. You want to make sure that you don't have a, a ladder rack on your truck with six ladders piled high and you clip one of them off. So you're going to beware. And so, but that's not what Jesus is talking about here. He's not, carried, he's not worried about dogs or falling rocks. He's saying, no, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. Now, wait a minute. If you look back, wait a minute. He's saying, don't, don't. Oh, yeah, don't do that. But yet in five, chapter 5, he says, let your light shine before others so they may see your good works. Now, wait a minute, does the Bible contradict itself in that? Here he's saying, do that. Here he's saying, don't do that. But I think it's a matter of the heart because if you look deeper into chapter 16, <clears throat> chapter 5, verse 16, there's an and in there. And they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who's in heaven. Verse 1 here in chapter 6. In order to be seen by others. For they want to be seen and be noticed by others. That's the difference of the heart condition here. One heart is to glorify God. And the other heart is self-preservation. It's all about your heart's intent. That's why in, in verse 2, Jesus calls them hypocrites. You always hear the word, oh, there's just a bunch of hypocrites that go to church. A church is full of hypocrites. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe that's you. Maybe you're the hypocrite if they say that. But what is a hypocrite when you hear that? The, the word hypocrite, I looked it up, and it comes all the way back to the early Greek language, which was right about Jesus' time. And the, I think the word, if I pronounce it right, is hypocrites or something like that. And what that was a word for an actor or somebody who is in a play. So they're acting out somebody that they aren't. And so it was fake. They weren't real. They're acting things out. Just like in our movies today, they're acting out this guy. Maybe some guy is a, is a Mr. Tough guy, but in reality he's not. And so he's fake. And so he's not even real. Yet they appear to be real on the outside. 
And that's where these, where Jesus says they practice their righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. They, the hypocrites, the people wanted to announce on the street corners, hey, this is me, this is what I'm doing. I'm doing what God wants me to do. Why do you have to notify people? They were fake. So I do have a short, uh, small illustration that I brought with me of being to where you look at things on the outside. We look good. We look like we know the Lord. We're following the Lord, but yet on the inside, we're not. And I have two cake mixes here. I have two boxes of cake mixes. Betty Crocker's, you know, she says, these are my favorites. So I said, okay, we'll take those. But I've got box A and box B. Can you tell what's inside of them? Can you, by the outside, this is a cake box. Okay, I could say they've never been opened, but I did open them. <laughs> but you're saying, okay, inside box A, there's a cake mix, right? So that's pretty good. In reality, maybe one of these isn't a cake mix. Maybe they both aren't cake mixes, but they look like it. So, but are they? We can't tell that just by looking at it, right? So we can't, <clears throat> if people pronounce and say that they're doing such great things, do we know that they're following the Lord? Maybe the inside of their heart is, is filthy. And that's why, you know, Jesus calls this, the, uh, the Pharisees, the re religious leaders of the day, he says, you're whitewashed tombs. A whitewashed tomb is spit-shined on the outside, but what's inside of them? Dead man's bones. Dead bones. It's dead, dirty, disgusting. Stick your head in there, it's going to, yeah, it smells terrible. <laughs> but on the outside, it looks great. <clears throat> um, I love it. Jan would tell me, a, told me a story that when she was younger, she grew up on a farm, and they had crops and livestock. But her dad, was, if they had company coming over, it was, hey, kids. And there was a lot of them. But he said, get out there. The first five rows of corn, pull all the weeds. Get everything out of there. So when people come down our road, come by our house, come into our house, whatever, they see a beautiful field of corn. What they think is a beautiful field of corn. The first five rows look great, right? Behind that, that's probably thistles and butter prints and lamb's quarters and whatever else kind of wheat. But it looks good on the outside. You know, we can maybe fool people. We can fool men with, with our self-righteous actions. But we will never fool God. Because he's the one that sees into the deepest parts of our heart. So, and that's why Jesus, he criticized the religious leaders of the day. He says, well, did Isaiah speak well of you, or speak of you right? Because Isaiah said, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. <clears throat> so if God was to open up the door of our heart, if he was to open up the door of my heart, for all of you guys to see, what would you see? Would you see that my actions are the same as what my heart is? My heart's intent was to glorify God. I pronounce it on the outside. But would you see that? Or would you see that, oh, that guy's just dead inside. He's rotten. He's black. Out here, looks good. In the, maybe not. But inside, he's, he's dark, sinful. Or would it reflect Christ? Would it reflect the Holy Spirit, what the Holy Spirit is doing on the outside is the same as the inside? Would it be bringing God glory? <clears throat> so
so, you know what? I forgot to tell you what the points of my sermon were and what the title was. The title is to be real, okay? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> All of a sudden, I'm looking here. I'm like, I'm close to point two. Whoa. So point one is your heart and being real. So how do we live real lives for Christ? Number one, the most important thing is by professing a faith in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. That's number one. That's, that's, that's not even an option, right, for living real lives in Christ. And by believing in the saving work that God did, or Christ did for us on the cross. And then we're being obedient to him. <clears throat> so, I, I mean, how do we know how to, what God expects of us? Right here. We have a manual, right? We have a manual that teaches us everything of what God expects of us, what God desires of us, is we read this book daily. Read the manual. What is God teaching us today? We always say, you know, come some of a question could be, what, what's God teaching you today? What are you learning? Well, we're reading the manual, so that's what God's teaching us. Just like if we have a piece of Ikea furniture we got to put together. How many of you read the instructions first? Be real. Okay. There's only a few. Okay. I'm, I'm not there. I shouldn't raise my hand. I use that as a last resort, right? If I can't figure it out, then I read it. Well, we want to know how to put it together right. We read it. We read the manual, the setup manual. Same thing right here. Another way to be real in our lives for Christ is confessing our sin, repenting daily. That's part of the Christian walk. We can't, we can't be real if we're not doing that because we know we're human. We make mistakes. We sin. It's not shortcomings. We sin. And we need to repent of that daily. Walking in humility, not putting up a front to hide what is actually really inside in our heart. You know, and it's, it's the it's the best thing is to have a core group, a group of guys, a group of gals surrounding you that you can open up, that you can share what's really going on in my life. Where do I need prayer? Where do I need help? I need, I want to be real. I want to, to be pleasing and honoring to God. Not you, not you. I want to be pleasing to the Lord. So to share our struggles. Um, so when we are in tune we're reading the, the, the manual here. When we're in tune with the Lord, it's going to be a natural overflow. We have that Holy Spirit in us. So the work that we do is that, like it says in Matthew 5, which glorifies God. When our heart is right with Christ. And it's just going to be a natural outflow of, of what the Holy Spirit is within us. We don't have to put on an act to try and prove to we are, announce on the street corner what we're doing. So, and I love the way Paul says it in Galatians 2. He says, I've been crucified with Christ, for it is no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So it's not us that lives, it is Christ that lives within us. And that is how we can be real and live real for Christ. So, in this chapter here, you know, that's talking about our heart, verse 1 um, and verse 2. But Jesus says, so our second point is giving, in giving. So our heart in giving, and in verse 2, Jesus says, Thus, when you give to the needy, when, he says when. That's important, right? doesn't say if you give to the needy, this is how you should do it. But he says when you give to the needy. That's a command. It's not a suggestion or a recommendation. 
God is saying, or Jesus is saying, when you give, this is how you don't do it. You don't sound a trumpet to be praised by men. You don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. That's not figurative. We don't hand somebody 20 bucks with our left hand behind our back or give or however. That's figurative. We just don't, <clears throat> we don't pronounce it. We don't shout it from the mountaintops. Hey, this is what I'm doing. Look at me. This is who I am. I'm great, right? No. Jesus is using this as an example. Well, let me back up a little bit. Giving to the needy. When he, so when we, when we give to the needy, that's one of the pillars of piety or one of the um, ways of showing reverence to our God is by giving to the needy. So God has blessed us, and it's one way that we are showing reverence to God is by giving back what he has given us. And so back then, I mean, and, and I, I feel that it still applies today, that we are to provide help, for, provide for somebody in our family that's in needy. It says to care for the widows and for the orphans. Um, and it says, too, that especially those who are of our household, our, even the household of faith, but also in our immediate family. And if we can't, if we're not providing for a widow in our family or, you know, somebody that's in one in need, if we're not providing for our family, the Bible says we're worse than an infidel, we're worse than an outcast. It's like, man, that seems pretty harsh. But yet, <clears throat> that's one way there's an act of worship. Giving is an act of worship to God. And Jesus uses this example to show the, the disciples how the, the religious leaders of the, that day, how they've taken that act of giving, instead of standing on the street corner, they're giving and doing things to honor God. They're taking it as self-preservation. And they've just defiled one of the acts of worship to God because of their self-righteousness, their self-preservation. And, I mean, when you think about how God feels about that, I think somewhere it says, maybe it was John MacArthur, I listened to one of him, he said that that's smoke in the nostrils of God. That's, that's, like if you ever, in the fall, when they're burning leaves, people are burning grass, green grass, wet leaves, and they're trying to just smoke that fills the neighborhood. And it's just that smell, that smoke. Maybe some of you love it, so I'm not judging you by that, but I don't. I don't it's, just, it's like smoke in my nostrils. It's just like, it's distasteful. I just, I want to go out in the country, get in a kayak, go down a river where there's no smoke, right? <laughs> um, but to God, that is self-preservation and defiling the act of worship to God by not giving and not sharing from the heart, not out of, hey, I'm, this is me, I'm doing it, but that's smoke in God's nose. So, I got three subpoints under point number two, but it's how should we give? Not in what ways, but how, how, does, how should our heart be when we give? We should give discreetly. Jesus says it right here. When you <clears throat> uh, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, giving so that your giving may be in secret. He's saying, keep it quiet. I mean, don't. Put it out there on Facebook. Don't put it on Snapchat or, I don't know, what would you guys listen, get out there with on social media today? I'm so far behind. I'm back in the, grand, in the kid stage, you know, with grandkids. But he says, give, give anonymously. <clears throat> don't, don't, uh, don't brag about it. And when we do that, when we give, because when we do that, it shows the genuineness of our heart, right? 
It shows that we want to give. We don't want the glory to go to us. We want the glory to go to God. So, and I, just an example, um, I don't know, maybe a year, year and a half ago when we started talking about Redeemer South. And we wanted to have this fund going to help fund the new church because it takes money to plant a church, okay? And so we decided we're going to do expand our reach. You could donate. We were hoping for 150000 in the next couple of years. And we had this one person. I don't even know who he is. But he gave a large amount of money to expand our reach. Like it almost was more than what we needed. And nobody knows. I mean, there's probably one person who had to cash his check. But nobody knows who that was. He wanted to stay anonymous. He did not want that glory, that honor be saying, oh, yeah, I gave that much. <laughs> that's me. Yep. No, he wanted the glory to go to God. And so that's what we need to do. We need to stay, give anonymously. Another story, <clears throat> back when I was a kid growing up, I also grew up on a farm. We did not have the, live, or the, the grain, so I didn't have to do slick the first five rows, but um, we had hogs. And there were six of us boys, six miles to feed plus mom and dad, so we didn't have a, a whole lot growing up. But because we didn't have crops, we had to buy corn, soybean meal, whatever, to make the feed. And I think we probably, once a week, Dad was bringing home a uh, wagon load of corn. And back in the day, this has probably been know, 40 years ago, a wagon load of corn was about two, 300 bucks. Today, it would probably be around 800 bucks. So you think about taking 800 bucks out of your paycheck to feed the pigs, not feed your family, feed the pigs. Um, it was a lot. But there was a, a guy in our community, a farmer in our community, who felt the Lord calling him, saying, you need to take a load of corn to the wet signs. And I, I was probably 10 or 12 years old, but I remember waking up Christmas morning, and I go out to the kitchen, and I, see, I look out the window, and I see this wagon parked at the end of our sidewalk in the driveway, and I'm like, what is this wagon doing in our driveway? not hooked anything. What, what's dad doing out there, you know? Why would he park this wagon there? Well, mom said, no, dad did not do that. That was a, somebody in our neighborhood that wanted to give this wagon load of corn. He knows how much it would help us out, and he wanted to give it, and, but he wanted to be anonymous. So he, it was there, I mean, it was there early, early in the morning. He delivered it so that nobody would see him I mean, obviously, mom and dad knew because dad had to know where to take the wagon back to. But, but he wanted to stay anonymous, and that's why he did it so early in the morning. And so not to be noticed. And so that's, <clears throat> that's the way God desires us to do that, give as well, when we give. So another way that we, how to give is to give cheerfully, right? Nobody wants to be a grumbling you know, if you're somebody, you're on the receiving end, you don't want to have somebody going, Here, here's some check. No, that really makes, it fe- makes you feel bad, don't it? But we're to give cheerfully. It says in First, Second Corinthians 9, 7, it says, Each one must give as he's determined in his heart, not reluctantly under compulsion or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. That pleases God when we give because we know, he knows that we're giving because we want to honor him. It's not like we don't, 
like grumble when we give, like, oh, I guess I, I have to give because if I'm a Christian or say I'm a Christian, well, I got to tithe and all right, well, I'll give and, and uh, well, I don't want to give because it might cut me short on my hobbies that I want to do this week or this month. Or, but no, when we <clears throat> cheerfully give, it shows that we have a genuine heart of true love that wants to give, that we want to share, that we want to bless others. So, you know, God says it's more, or like Paul said, he said it's more blessed to give than to receive. And when we give, we feel that, don't we? We feel that blessing from the Lord. And it's not that, that we give to, to get back, it's that we give to, to bless others. And then when we do that, God blesses us in whatever way he sees fit. Another way would be to give generously. Um, I don't know how many of you were here Sunday when Doug, who was, well, Doug preached last Thursday, but then he also preached on Sunday. He preached on Psalm 112. And in that psalm, it starts out with, blessed is the man. Later on, it says, who deals generously. He has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. He is blessed. This man is blessed by God. He's received favor from God. And so... That's what we want to do. We want to give because it also says that, think about this. When we give, it's going to be given to us. Good measure, if you think about a box, filling it with some kind of, uh, I don't know, rice or whatever. But you, you dump something in a box, there's going to be corners, right, that aren't full. But it says good measure, so a bunch of it piled high, pressed down, then you shake it together and running over, will be given into your lap when we give. And it doesn't mean that, oh, if I give 100 bucks, I'm getting 200 bucks or 400 bucks. No, blessings come in different ways. And what I, I think, um, I don't remember which psalm it is, but the greatest blessing is to know the Lord, to know and to understand the Lord, to be saved by God, to be a part of the family of God is probably the greatest blessing we will ever have because it, Gives us eternal life, right? So can we ever outgive the Lord? I don't think so. Because everything we have comes from the Lord. And if he gives you the same amount as he gives you and you and you, now whatever we have is, and we can never outgive the Lord. It's like taking one penny that we have and God has 100 million, we can never outgive him. So he just wants us to be cheerful, to be generous. So we should hold our, our earthly possessions loosely, not carelessly, because carelessly is not being a good steward of what God has given us. But we also need to hold them loosely. They're not ours. We're just passing through. This life is, is temporary to the life to come. And we just remember that we have so much more than physical belongings in Christ. It's like we sang, satisfy us with your love not satisfy us with stuff satisfy us with pride satisfy us with acknowledgement of, of people but it satisfies us with his love so i don't know sometimes you think maybe and this is the way i i felt raising kids they cost a lot of money because you have more mouths to feed and but i think i'm on a tight budget i don't know if i can give but it's crazy how this works. 
when we were come, first started coming to Redeemer, we felt like we needed to give. Um, John had sermons on it. It's like, <laughs> I'm a Christian. If I want to follow Christ and be obedient to him, I need to be giving back to the Lord. And so even though money was tight, it was hard back then, we decided we're going to give a certain amount. I don't remember what it was, but when I look back, and I, we were talking with, I don't know if any of you know Ralph Manji. He used to be an elder here. He lives in Phoenix or Tucson, Arizona now, but he was our life group leader. And he goes, we were talking about that one time. He goes, did you miss it? I said, no. So you just took an extra, maybe it was say, let's just say, you figuring 10% out of your budget that you thought was so tight. But are you lacking in anything by giving? I said, no, we have everything that we need. Maybe not what we want, but we have everything we need, and God provides that. That's a blessing, to have what we, what we need. So, so we talk about, okay, that's how we should give. What, what are, you know, so as far as a heart condition, how should we give? But what are ways that we can give? You always think that, oh, I give in money. Yes, that is important. Um, we can flat out just give money to, to somebody we see in need, or we can give it to the church we trust the leaders of the church that they are using it wisely, which they are. Um, I make sure of that. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but we do. We trust our leadership to use it wisely because it is for God's glory and for his kingdom purposes, right? But we could buy somebody groceries. We could, somebody that can't afford their rent for a month. They're coming up on hard times. Something, something's happened in their life and they can't afford something. To be able to hand them some money and say, here, take this for, for rent, for Fixing a car, your car broke down, they need brakes or, or whatever. Maybe it's, if you're not sure where should I give, we always have, and I don't know, I know Redeemer has it here. There's other churches that have probably the same type of a fund, but we have what we call a benevolence fund. I don't remember, I think it's the last Sunday of the month. There's boxes out in the back for the benevolence fund. And it's for people that come on hard times. They can request um, I need some help paying for my rent. I lost my job. Or, you know, it's something, a hard time. We have that fund. You can give to that. I say, write a check to the church and say, this is for benevolence, uh, for helping people out in need. So it's just it's one of the ways that you can give. You can give of your time as well. And, you know, there's, there's so many opportunities of volunteering. If somebody needs a wheelchair ramp built, um, volunteer to help your time. Help with your time. Give your time. Mow somebody's lawn. You see a neighbor that's got his yard is this high. Everybody else is mowed just nice and perfect. Maybe he's in a wheelchair. Maybe he just came off a surgery. We don't know. Volunteer. Say, hey, can I mow your lawn? I want to I give. I want to share what God has put in my heart. I want to give. I want to help you with that. Taking a meal to a shut-in. Somebody just had a baby or somebody just had surgery. They can't get up out of, the wheel, out of their chair very well. Uh, we just had a lady in our life group that had knee surgery. It's kind of hard to get around very well with knee surgery. We want to bless and, and pour love in on these people. How about, have you ever driven by somebody on the side of the road with a flat tire? I have. I'll admit it. I'm not perfect. Sometimes I think I don't have time to stop. Or the last time I did, they didn't even have a spare, so what good was it to stop? I got to keep rolling. But no, we can give of our time and help somebody out because it's, that's something that's unexpected today. Uh, not unexpected, but it, you don't see it a lot, somebody just stopping and helping. 
Everybody's too busy. Go, 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 go. They don't have time to do that. So to stop, to help, to give, to give of your time. There's so many ways to give. If we just look for it, if we don't, we don't keep our nose down on the ground, don't just do what we're doing, but let's look up, let's look around us and see where God can use us for his kingdom purposes in giving. So point number three, so we have point number one, your heart. Number two, in giving. Number three, determines your reward. So if we look at, um, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this first. Who knows Michael Phelps? What is he? What is he known for? Swimming. Okay. He is a highly decorated Olympic swimmer. We watched him on, I don't know which Olympics it was. We're like, well, I think it was 2008. We're like, well, this guy's going, and he's got another one, and he's got another one. He's getting all these rewards, all these medals. In 2004, I don't think that was his first Olympic. I think it was the second Olympic. But in 2004, he got six gold medals, two bronze. In 2008, he had eight gold medals. He broke an Olympic record for the most medals won by a single person in a single games event back then. I don't know, maybe it's been broken since. But 2012, he had four gold, two silver. 2016, five gold, one silver. Total, in four Olympic events, he had 23 gold medals, three silver, and two bronze. He's considered one of the most successful athletes of the Olympic Games. His net worth is about $100 million. I'm thinking, wait a minute, did he have a job? He swam? He's got, okay, it's a Nike, or his endorsements are worth a bunch of money. He's worth $100 million. So in, all of, in, in order to be in the Olympics, to perform in the Olympics, participate in the Olympics, whatever you want to say, you have to put in a lot, a lot of hard work to get there. I mean, it, it's almost like nonstop. You eat, drink, sleep, breathe. Everything is all about what you're doing for the Olympics. So he's putting his whole heart into this. What is his reward? Gold medals. Will that last in eternity? Mm -mm. He's got recognition. I mean, most of us know who he is. We've watched him swim. We've seen what he does. Um, but that's what he gets. All that hard work he put in, he got temporary rewards. Now, I don't know. I tried looking up to see if he was a Christian. I did, I, everything you look up, Michael Phelps is Olympic gold, Olympic gold. So I don't know his heart. He may be a believer, so I don't want to discredit him for that. That's a great thing if he is. I, I pray that he is. But my point is this. Who do we want to receive our reward from? By the good work that we do, giving is good, is a work of the Lord. It's an, it's an act of worship. But do we want our reward to be like the hypocrites, the empty actors, who they sound a trumpet before them, as the a, as a hypocrites do, in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others, that they may be seen before or before others, practice the righteousness to be seen by others. That's the reward. I mean, look at in verse 1, no reward from your Father in heaven. That's our goal, isn't it? To be, have eternal life in heaven with our Lord. But if that's how we practice our righteousness, we're not going to get a reward from God. 
ouch, that's going to hurt. That's going to sting. Especially on Judgment Day when it says, God says, I don't, I don't know you. But, 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 but I did all these good things. But your heart was far from me. You professed me bef- with your lips, but your heart was far from me. So, you know, be praised by others. You know, what they get? A slap on the back, high five, noticed by a few people around them. Maybe they got in the newspaper. I don't know if they had a newspaper back then. But they had recognition that these are the religious leaders of the day. They're doing these great things. But not from the heart. They're doing it to be seen by others. Here's another story. This is a, this is a pretty harsh story of a couple of hypocrites named Ananias and Sapphira. I want to say it's in Acts 9. So when the church was selling everything they had, they were trying to do everything in common so nobody was lacking. If I had an extra... I'm going to sell, I'm going to take the money, I'm going to give to the poor. Because that was, the, that's what we do. You know, we make sure that everybody is provided for. We want to help each other. And so when the church, the people were selling the belongings they had, they were, people were selling land and bringing it, the whole of everything they sold to the church so they could distribute to the poor. Ananias and Sapphira decided, okay, we're going to do that, but we're going to hold some of it back. Because we don't want to give everything, but we want, it's going to look like we gave everything. Because Peter says, is this how much you gave, or you sold the land for? Ananias says, yep, that's what we sold it for. God says, nope, boom, dead. He's gone. Right like that. That's his reward. He didn't even get a slap on the high five, a slap on the back. God took him. Sapphira comes in three hours later. Is this how much you sold the land for? Yep, nope, boom, she's dead. Right then. And, and Peter had said, how is it that you would lie to the Holy Spirit about what you gave? And, I mean, that, and that's a serious, serious offense is to lie to the Holy Spirit. But what were they, what were they, were giving a portion of it. They could have said, we are giving only half of what we sold the land for. The other we're keeping for investments. But no, they said, yeah, this is, we sold it for this much. And they were, they, I think they were looking for acceptance by man to say, this is what everybody, we're going to do it. We want, we want praise of God. Or praise of man, not praise of God. It doesn't work. So when we give, when we serve, we let our light shine before men. We're to do all to the glory of God. Not the acknowledgement for us, but everything for the Lord. I like it with Paul when he talks to this encouragement to the Colossians. He says, whatever you do, work heartily for the Lord. And I put for the glory of the Lord, not for men or for the praise of men, knowing that from the Lord we're going to receive the reward or the inheritance of eternal life as our reward when we are living for the Christ. But we are serving Christ, not ourselves. So, in conclusion, did anybody notice which one was real, which one was fake? Could you tell? Here. Tell me which one's real, which is fake. Or are they both fake? How much do you bake cakes? A lot? Brownie mix in that one. Okay. All right. How about you, Hayden? Brownie mix in it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. 
Let's ask a couple girls. Do they think the same thing? Okay. But, but looking at the outside, it look, they all both look real, right? How about you, Addie? What do you? B is real or A? A is fake. Okay. Well, let's open them up. Man, you guys have better sense of weight than I do, obviously. So <laughs> let's open them up. Let's see. This is God peeling back the doors of our heart, right? He's going to expose our hearts, and this is what we're going to do. Which one was real? You say B is real. That could be powdered sugar, <laughs> not cocaine, but yes, <laughs> that is real. That is a cake mix. This? What is it? I will let you eat this brownie mix. <laughs> Take it home. It's not a brownie mix. It's black dirt, black dirt. So this is, yeah, I know now you're making me hungry, but no, this is... This is dirt. This is dead man's bones. What looked, yes. No. Looks, it still looks it, but it's not. This is what, even though it looks super moist, favorite Betty Crocker's favorite, inside is dirt. Does our heart look like this for the Lord? Or does it look like this for ourselves? So the question I'm going to leave you with, which one are you? If you examine your heart, which one are you? So let's pray. Lord, we are so thankful for your message, your word. Um, Lord, we're thankful that you are Lord of our lives, Lord. And as we examine our hearts, Lord, we pray that uh, we be real and living. Be real and living for you, that our heart would be totally for you and not for the praise of men. And Lord, I just thank you for um, Jesus and for his words that he teaches us. And I just pray that we can do what honors and glorifies you, Lord, that we can be real, living 100% for Christ. And so, Lord, just be with us as we, as we part ways, Lord, and uh, that your name be glorified in everything that we do, to your honor, to your glory, because you alone are worthy of praise. You alone are worthy of honor. Lord, we want to worship you in our actions. We want to praise you in everything we do. Just thanks and praise the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.